Well, I hope you uh, have a chance to uh, discuss not only that, but uh, listen well to our faith story this morning and can respond to that. As, as before, I'm still uh, gaining some IT expertise by actually reading the introduction off my phone. And I am tempted to uh, make up my own introduction since I've known Kat her whole life. I could start with remembering when she and her mom came when she was a baby to our first uh, young married class. Uh, that was probably 18 years ago. But let me start with a real introduction here. Kat Carell has attended Faith for her entire 18 years, where she'd been involved in Awana and student ministry. She's a 2023 graduate of Pike High School, yay, and plans to attend Bethel University in the fall to study psychiatric nursing. Good for you, Kat. She played softball for many years and can play the flute, as she's done here at Faith Church. But she's working two jobs this summer and doesn't have time for much else. We're glad you've taken time to share your faith story here for us. Uh, good. Let me pray before we hear the story. Father, you've been good to us to have uh, allowed us to be a part of faith, uh, of Kat's faith family for these many years. Thanks for her courage and being willing to share her story. Help us to hear well. Help her to be satisfied in speaking well the way you've uh, brought her these 18 years in her life. And we'll guide her in the future. So we'll give her guidance this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need the phone or do you have a... Um, yep, there we go. It's all set up. <laughs> Hello. Um, like you said, my name is Catherine Carell. Some of you might know me as Kat. Some of you might not know me at all. A few more unfamiliar faces in this group than the first hour. Um, and I want to start off with probably the saying that I've heard the very most in my life. And it is, God gives his hardest battles to his toughest soldiers. Some sort of variation of that. And although that saying is very true, it is sometimes very exhausting to hear at the same time. I would also like to say I was baptized in what I believe is fifth grade. I gave my life to Christ then. But since then, today, we're going to be talking about kind of those teaching and learning moments that I've had throughout my life that has started me off. I started off as a baby Christian. I, I knew God and I loved him. But you know, watching my faith develop and get stronger throughout time. Um, mostly it is that I did devote my life to Christ a very long time ago, but as we all know, we all fall short of the glory of God, and these are some of those greatest moments. Obviously, I'm decently young. I'm 18. I'll be 19 in the fall. I've been a member at Faith Church my entire life. I've done all of the Sunday school classes, all the Iwana verses. I still have all of them up on my all the trophies and awards up on my desk in my room. I've gone to the winter retreats and the fall retreats, and I've been a pretty active person in our youth group up until this year. I've grown up with faith, in faith, knowing God, trusting him, and doing what he has called me to do. Um, I think, though, overall, my faith has been tested numerous times, and those specific moments and trials are why I'm at the point now. Besides through growing up in church and knowing the word, I have still really struggled. I still have fallen short. I questioned what I knew when I saw gaps in my friend's faith or when I saw gaps in my family, but most importantly, I saw gaps in my own faith. So a really fun fact about me is I love to be in control. I like to know what's up. I like to be grounded in my thoughts, and I like to know the full story. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I was told that a lot after first hour. 
To give you an idea, I'm always the one to offer to drive somewhere because I like to know what time we're going to arrive, what time we're going to leave, if we're going to crash into a pole or not, and what's going on. Overall, this has also kind of been an issue with my relationship with Christ. I struggle to give him control over my life like I should. And this is going to be a struggle that I will continue to deal with probably. So for those who know me, you already know this, and for those who don't, my dad left when I was very young. They're divorced, and I wouldn't quite say he's father of the year. He has kind of caused an ongoing pain throughout my life, varying in differing amounts during different times, all which have left me more hurt than the time before. I can say confidently, although I re really wish I couldn't, that I did not let God into this situation like I was supposed to. I did not handle and hand those emotions over to him. I failed to give him my hurt, and I failed to give him my trust. I didn't believe when he told me, and just like everybody has told me throughout my life, look up my child, for I love you, and I'm gonna take care of you. I have been taught all these years of Sunday school to believe that, and to some extent I did, but not enough apparently. I really have struggled with the idea that there was a man up in heaven called my heavenly father who would take care of me. This is going to be a lesson that I've had to continue to learn and relearn over and over. For the most part, I lived my life. My mom had me play softball starting in, I believe, first grade. So I played it for about 12 years. And I love doing my multiplication tables in school. And I like to read and sing and play my flute. And I continued to go to church. And I did Awana. And I was a pretty normal kid. There were some years there that were pretty rough for my family, and I just mentioned those because they would kind of come up later um, and introduce some more issues. I'm gonna zoom forward to about my freshman year of high school. We're gonna go past my really awkward middle school years. Um, thank God. And I just, just ask yourself, are you good at geometry? Because I am not good at geometry. If you are, I very much envy you. Um, so freshman year, I started off in the class called Honors Geometry. Um, I think I was one of three freshmen in the class. Everybody else in there were seniors and juniors. Um, I did not understand it. I did not know why I had to solve a triangle three different ways for one singular angle. It made no sense for me. Oh, gosh. And I just, I had no clue what I was doing, and it really showed. I tried tutoring, and I studied my butt off and it just didn't happen. I was really used to performing well and um, it just wasn't happening. I started having panic attacks. So for panic attacks look different for different people. For me, it is crying, shaking, hyperventilating. Um, a lot of people will describe it as it feels like you're having a heart attack. This became my body's way of reacting to the stress that I was under. Um, I would start to see these become a more prevalent issue. They'd happen a lot and they became worse, scarier, darker, and I could not control them. In these moments, I was completely vulnerable. My body, my heart, mind, and soul were not protected. I had some of the scariest thoughts and flashbacks to those times in my childhood during these. They became attacks, and these panic attacks were used as weapons towards me. After some guidance from family and church members, I started to try to 
talk to God during them, which it's a little hard to talk when you're hyperventilating so and you can't really breathe. So my outward prayers turned silent and everything turned inward. Everything became in my head. My panic attacks didn't go away because I started talking to God. I was still having those very physical reactions, but there wasn't room for the evilness, for those unwanted thoughts anymore. I fulfilled that time with God. One of my favorite verses that I would think and um, spend time with during the panic attacks was Psalms 94:19, and that states, when anxiety was great within me, your comfort brought me joy. Another version of it says, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me a renewed hope and cheer. This verse would become the verse that I still to this day say the most. I have it engraved on this necklace that I'm wearing and I would be sitting in class and I would start to feel this panic attack happening and I would hold it close to my heart and I would close my mind and I would just say, God, one second, just calm me down. God knew my prayer in these moments. These were such trust-filled times where I fully accepted his guidance and leaned on him. This became a continued habit that I still have to do to this day. That was so significant to my walk with Christ. These panic attacks were not making things easy and I felt like a mess. But after choosing to give that time to God, it started to turn things around. Eventually, freshman year ended, thank God. The panic attacks were still happening and things were just kind of okay. Um, That's when we went into lockdown. Um, So nothing extraordinary was happening, happening. Life was in lockdown and I don't think anybody knew what to do at this point. Eventually, I was tired of living just kind of a bleh life in multiple points, but mainly my spiritual life. I was having a really hard time connecting to God's word and finding motivation to pray, and especially things to be thankful for. My thoughts were getting the best of me, and I needed some sort of help. Um, The panic attacks were no longer because of the honors geometry class at this point. It was because of those years of my childhood that I would mention and the pain that had been brought by the things that my dad had chosen to do. I wasn't sure if I had wanted to go to counseling or if I wanted to start on some sort of medication. I wasn't sure if these were going to be right for me. Now, there's not quite really a verse in the Bible that says, Kat, you should start going to therapy. That's just not really how it works. But, you know, I did ask God, what do I do? Who do I go to? Who do I ask for help? After long conversations with my mom, with my grandma, with Ms. Waltz, who's my youth leader, and Ms. Maggie Hooden, these were people with great faith, good advice, and good prayers. They, they urged me to make the right decision, to talk to God about it, and they ensured me that whatever choice I was going to make was going to be the right one. Although this wasn't a direct answer from God, it was through people. And this was me allowing to have God to have his hand over my life. Overall, I'm a pretty normal teenager. I've had a lot of fun with friends. I've played flute and played softball, and I stress about the AP testing, and I've had crushes and some stupid boyfriends or two. (laughs) I work a lot, a lot, (laughs) and I've done plenty of stupid things within that time. I had battles with French baguettes at work. I'm a manager at Panera. And I ran around Eagle Creek with my best friend hugging trees on a trail. And I've done plenty of stupid things. All of this is great and it sounds great. But the issue is I started engorging my time with those things and I wasn't leaving much for God. 
Luckily, those years of Sunday school in Awana and my mom making us pray every night at dinner, the truth that I had learned about God has always pulled me back in. A lot of the time, the truth has been through music. Listening to Christian music in my car while I'm driving somewhere random has brought up many moments of prayer, of asking for forgiveness, and asking for guidance. These songs were powerful, songs such as Come As You Are by Crowder, which most people know, which say, lay your hurt down and lay your burdens on me and come as you are. Songs like the one I just mentioned would be the reason I turned back to God's guidance in many situations. One of them being when a coworker had told me about her pregnancy and her plans to abort. At the time, I was 16 and partially 17 years old. I was not close with this coworker. She was 20 years old. I had called her into the women's care center and over time she had expressed excitement to be a mom. Eventually, she was pushed into the abortion by the boyfriend. It was a late-term abortion, and the things my coworker had told me that had happened on the table during the abortion were some of the most heartbreaking things that I've ever heard in my life. My trust had been wounded, and my heart ached for the little girl who was killed in the abortion. I was angry at God for letting such a thing happen. I was frustrated with God for putting me in a position at 16 years old with a coworker who I was not very close with. I didn't understand my purpose in it at all. After some time had passed, songs like God Turned It Around and Hallelujah Even Here showed me where my heart was at. I turned my anger to vulnerability in God's word. To this day, over a year and a half later, I pray for the baby who was killed in the abortion and I honor her life. I wear this ring, her name is Cassie, I ended up naming her because my goal in life is to make her seem as a human since she was seen as less than. My job and place in my coworker's life was not to convince her to keep that baby. At the end of the day, that was her decision to make, even though she made the wrong one. But my job was to honor the life of that child, to be a light and an escape for a really distressed friend. This moment has taught me to keep on trusting God, even if it makes absolutely no sense, because God does have that plan. Obviously, I'm talking kind of quickly, so I'm almost done. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you think that this is really short, but it's four pages long. <laughs> so my last moment for you guys is kind of the most recent thing. It's the most confusing to me, and I have no resolution to it at this point. Over the years, I have watched my closest friends lose their faith, denounce God, and believe things that I don't align with. I've spent a lot of time frustrated and very lonely, not knowing what to do. The people I love the most, I spend the most time with, I share some of my greatest burdens. They don't, they don't see God. I know that I won't be seeing them in heaven one day. We as Christians live in an age where we cannot speak freely to our friends and neighbors about God's words. Instead, it's a touchy topic that, make, that might make me lose my friendships. And I, I live in fear of that. I've even found myself collapsing into their beliefs for a grasp to fit in, knowing that it was wrong. I spent a lot of time crying, much more than I would really like to admit, over all of this. To some extent, it has made me feel very lost. I've had days where I've sat in my car after hanging out with my friends, just completely empty, not knowing what to do. I would like to say I'm not the perfect Christian. None of us are. 
I struggle to hold my tongue and talk with a clean mouth. I struggle to see the good things and to be thankful. I struggle to hand my burdens to God, and I fail relentlessly to trust him. But each time I fail to hand my burdens to him, I watch him take them anyway and provide me with protection. Each time I fail to trust him, I've learned the depth of my faith, and it takes, and I've grown from it. My story is not one uphill battle. I didn't choose God in the fifth grade, and everything's been great since. It has been a massive series of up and downs. Uh, the downs have been pretty down. Trials and a lot of errors, and there's been a lot of failure, but at the end of the day, there's also been a lot of faith. That is all. I'm finished. So I will be going to Bethel University, which is in Mishawaka, Indiana. Um, I'm going for psychiatric nursing. Um, I'm really excited for Bethel. It's a private Christian college to just be immersed in kind of just an area where I don't have to be on edge about what I'm being taught and be surrounded by people who kind of share similar beliefs from me. Um, the psychiatric nursing kind of came from um, I've always known that I probably wanted to do something with helping people. Nursing seems like a good option for that. Um, pediatrics is out of the story because I do not like children at all. Um, <laughs> don't ask me to babysit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, um, and although I think I'm fine with blood, my grandma will say differently. Um, so <laughs> ER is out of the story. Um, but I've always been the person that my friends come to, um, and part of that is probably just some sort of godly presence. Um, I've always tried to be very open to people, um, and I'm somebody who people have come to when things are really going badly for them. And to some extent, I think between that and kind of my calling to want to help people in a nursing setting, it's really pushing me into that psychiatric nursing. I think a lot of it was for a very long time, I was very reluctant to the idea that I had a heavenly father. Um, somebody, um, a father of one of my really close friends actually said to me after first service, he said for a very long time, you absolutely hated it. You had this idea of what a father was and it actually kind of made you despise those moments that God was your heavenly father. Um, but I think over time as my relationship has really grown with God, along with realizing that the very poor example that my biological father um, or my worldly father has given me is not the idea of what a real father was. You know, opening up my heart to the fact that there is somebody up in heaven who cares about me, who will not let me down, who will always love me and has my best interests in mind, that's definitely changed over the past few years. I used to be very, very bitter to it, but now it's it's actually a saving grace. You know, if you find me in second service one day and they're playing Good, Good Father by Chris Tomlin, I will probably have my hands up, my eyes closed, and a tear rolling down my face because that is just, it's a really vulnerable and softening moment for me. I do, I have one older sibling. Some of you might know him, Jay Carell. He is a um, junior in college this year. I mean, some of, a lot of it was um, I had a lot of friends who I kind of just had, like, mediocre relationships with them. They were normal people. Um, the pandemic hit. You did 
I lost quite a few friends and it's not like there was a falling out or anything but when I came back to school and things started to become normal I was like you are supposedly a different gender now and you go by a different name and you have a completely different belief system and it, uh, for if if it happens to like one person or so you can kind of figure out a way around it but I mean I'm talking about like 80-85% of my friends that's just kind of how it how it began. I, I have my really solid friend group of seven people and only one of them does not identify with like the LGBTQ group and everything. Um, and they all started off as, um, as church going Christians, you know, that's just kind of where we're at. It's become, it's become a fad. It's the social media and the things that people are being fed. And it's definitely, your friendships do change because these aren't really the people that you once knew. I would say for me, the most part, my resources is, you know, my mom and grandma have always been really important when it comes to how to figure things out. Um, along with like Miss Waltz and Maggie Hooten and just the support of the church. Um, a lot of time I spend time in music um, trying to figure out like what is God saying to me throughout this. I mean, I have a playlist that is 13 and a half hours long of worship music, um, just talking about how to handle these situations that you're put in, how to apply Christ into your life. Um, I really do struggle to sit down and open up my Bible and try to find an answer in my Bible. I'm not very good at that. So a lot of the time it is me asking people like, where should I go? What's the next step for me to take with this? Whether that is in the Bible or a book or a podcast. Figured out how to share. I think it's not so much um, an outward share at this point. I think a lot of the time I have just done my best to be the most loving person as humanly possible um, because there's a really big difference between sharing God's love and God's grace versus just being a loving person. And um, my best, the thing that I've tried to do the most is to be open to whatever people are feeling so that I can, you know, do my best to keep them in my prayers and to have what they're going through in my mind. And I have people who have said to me, like, I don't believe what you believe, but I still appreciate your ongoing love for me. And that's kind of right now the only way that I can do that because, like I said, I do kind of live in fear of saying something that is going to upset a lot of people because, sadly, that is just kind of where we're at. Um, I will be, I mean, Bethel within itself, being a Christian college, you'll be required to go to chapel or what's not multiple times a week, and they've got youth groups for you to be a part of and worship teams and all sorts of things. So um, I'm going to be able to find that within Bethel itself um, as I maybe get a little bit older and a little bit more comfortable. Um, I'd like to kind of maybe explore a little bit more. Um, overall, Bethel stands with the same belief points that Faith Missionary Church does. That was also a really big thing. I didn't want to go into a Christian school that was like progressive Christianity or whatever. So, yeah.